Well, good morning. It's uh, good to be back up front with you guys this week. It was nice to have a week off. I think it would be a pretty sweet job if I just got to come and hear everyone, someone else preach each week. I kind of like that. But no, it's good to be back in front. I thank you for the opportunity to be out at camp. I shared a little bit about that this week, but I just want you to know that Southside was well represented out there with the volunteers. About two-thirds of our camp staff was from, from the members of Southside, and it was just a joy to watch them work and pour themselves into the, the hearts and minds and lives of those little kids, and, and we had a great response. So I can tell you that uh, uh, the angels in heaven were singing at uh, the names of uh, a bunch of little kids being written down into the, to the book of life. So thank you again for that opportunity. Well, um, some of you might not know this, uh, but last week about uh, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, one of our members, Jan uh, Cummer, was killed in an auto accident out on Spicer Drive uh, shortly after our services. And, and in, in that accident, uh, uh, a member of the Shift Church in Albany, uh, Holly Krieger, was also uh, killed. It was a tragic, tragic uh, event. Uh, definitely has impacted uh, Southside and our family and the family over at uh, Shift Church in Albany. And yesterday, we had the opportunity to celebrate uh, Jan's life. And we gathered together, and I can tell you this place was packed. And I know there was quite a few of you that were there. Uh, it was a, a uh, sad occasion for us. Right? We mourned the loss of our sister in Christ, and we will miss Jan immensely. But it was a joyous occasion as we heard story after story after story from people who shared of their love for Jan and the things that she had done uh, in their lives. And, and it was amazing to, to hear. I can tell you, I didn't know Jan really well. I got to, to meet her and know her over the last uh, couple of years a little bit as she volunteered in the church office. But I can tell you that I walked away with a much better understanding and appreciation for who she was. And what was remarkable about that service that we uh, were able to participate in yesterday was that I would guess the majority of the people that were in this room uh, to celebrate her life had have no church family to speak of. They probably have, many of them uh, have not been inside of a church building before. And yet they have been shown, they've been demonstrated the gospel of Jesus Christ for many years in the life of Jan. Uh, they didn't hear sermons being preached. They haven't read God's word for themselves. But they have seen it lived out. Uh, daily in her life. And so today as we look at Ephesians chapter 4, specifically verses 31 and 32, at the very end of the chapter, it's amazing to me as I sat in the pews yesterday and listened how vividly I saw the words that we're going to read today uh, uh, spoken and, and lived out in her life and reflected in her family and her friends. So let's read this morning Ephesians chapter 4, 17 through 32. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, 
which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we're all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. He who is stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Again, yesterday, as we heard people share about Jan's life, it's remarkable to me about her because she had a life worth hurts and, and, and pain and suffering, and she had every right in this world's mind's eye to be bitter and to be angry and to slander others. However, she chose the opposite. She chose to be kind and compassionate to one another, to her friends, to her family, to her co-workers, to forgive other people. And as a result of that, people saw Jesus reflected in her life. And that's remarkable. So as you think of that family and be praying for them, uh, do so with joy, knowing that uh, Jan lived a life honoring Jesus and gets to spend the rest of her uh, eternity with him. And one day we'll definitely be reunited with her. Well, this passage in verse 31 gives us a list of things that we were to put off, uh, our old way of self that we're to to do away with, we're to put to death. And those are listed are bitterness, anger, rage, brawling, slander, and malice. And I think that all of us here understand the danger of these attributes. These, these things can, can poison our hearts, right? We understand that. Uh, these things destroy. They tear us down. They humiliate others. They're disrespectful. They divide uh, they, uh, churches. They divide families. They bruise the people around us. They threaten uh, they weaken and, and they hurt. And I think all of us can understand that those are things that we don't want in our lives. Those are not the things that we want to be identified as. Even, even worldly people don't want that to be the legacy that they live be, leave behind. Instead, verse 32 tells us to put on kindness, the new way of life, the new self. Put on kindness, put on compassion, and put, put on forgiveness. See, in contrast to those former list of things, these repair, they build up, they encourage, they build respect, they, they reunite, they strengthen, they lighten our burden, they light our paths, and they heal our hearts. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and, and patience. It's telling us to wrap ourselves up in, in these traits, in these attributes, so they're with us wherever we go. I, I kind of uh, have this mind's eye picture of seeing someone walking down the street and noticing them and going, hey, I see you got a new set of kindness. Uh, it looks good on you. Thanks. I, I love it. By the way, I love that compassion you're wearing. Uh, it really brings out the light in your eyes. All right, or for us guys, nice forgiveness you got there. Thanks, I got a half off at Cabela's. After waiting in line, 
five hours on Black Friday. Got some forgiveness and a brick of 22 ammo. Yep. Clothe ourselves. Put it on us so that people see it. So they can tell that we have kindness and compassion and forgiveness. In Micah chapter 6, verse 8, it says, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? What's the next words? But to do what? Justice. To love kindness and to walk humbly with our God. I find it interesting in that passage that it tells us to do justice. You know, justice isn't always fun to do, right? It just tells us to do it. Sometimes it's kind of miserable to carry out justice. It's not a lot of fun. What does it tell us to do with love? I mean with kindness. It says love kindness. I like that. Walk humbly with our God. Love kindness. Love compassion. Love forgiveness. But there's a problem. You know, the problem I have, and I've been thinking about this for a little while as we've been going through this series, is that um, everything that we've talked about is that we are often so focused on not doing the bad things that we don't work on doing the good things. You ever notice that? You know, that's the danger in Christianity, right? We see it kind of as a list of rules, and we see these passages. Well, don't do this. Instead, do that. But really, don't do that, right? Don't, don't do this uh, stuff over here, because that's what bad people do. So I get so focused on do, not doing the bad that I forget to actually practice the good. And, and really, in the Bible, that was a common problem. In the New Testament, we have a group of people who were really good at practicing that. And that is the Pharisees, right? The Pharisees. For example, they were so focused on not breaking God's rules that they didn't do much good at all. And that's why we have stories in the Bible uh, like Luke chapter 13 where Jesus healed on the Sabbath day and it created such a mess. Let me read that for you. Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. One Sabbath day as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. She had been bent double for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and he said, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. Then he touched her. And instantly she could stand straight. How she praised God. But the leader in charge of the synagogue was indignant that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. There are six days of the week for working, he said to the crowd. Come on one of those days to be healed, not on the Sabbath. But the Lord replied, You hypocrites. Each of you work on the Sabbath day. Don't you untie your ox or your donkey from its stall on the Sabbath and lead it out for water? This dear woman, a daughter of Abraham, has been held in bondage by Satan for 18 years. Isn't it right that she be released even on the Sabbath? The Pharisees were more concerned in this situation that Jesus had broken one of their rules, one of those don't do this things that they failed to understand the fact that he had just healed someone that had been deformed for 18 years. What a horrible person. Healing someone of a deformity, right? The gall of Jesus to do that. You know, we run that same risk, though. To list all the time the things that we shouldn't be doing and not focus in on the things that we need to be doing. Failing to look at the good in these passages. So today, let's not fall into that trap, and let's look at the good of what we are supposed to practice. Be kind, be compassionate, be forgiving. So kindness, let's start there. What does it mean to be kind? Well, we exhibit kindness when we are tender, when we are well-meaning, when we're charitable, and when we're useful to others, no matter the circumstance. 
And that's a word, a phrase you're going to hear me say hopefully several times in the course of this, ser- this sermon. No matter the circumstance. Being kind no matter what. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 4 through 6, it says this. It says, in everything we do. That's pretty, pretty uh, all-encompassing, right? In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We've been beaten. We've been put in a prison. We've been, we faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and gone without food. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love. In other words, we could boil that statement down to this. In everything we do, we prove ourselves to be ministers of God's gospel by our kindness, by our tenderness, by our charity, by our usefulness to others. God has an expectation. He has been kind to us, and he expects us to be kind to others. Is that an identifiable trait in your lives? When people see you walking down the street, do they see you clothed in kindness? I hope so. Be compassionate. In the English Standard Version, it says this. It says, be kind to one another. Be tender-hearted. I like that picture. Be tender-hearted. Being compassionate means to have a kind and tender heart. It means that we suffer together. We go through difficulties of life together with other people. We're sympathetic towards others. We're gracious with one another. And not just towards those we love and care for. That's the easy part, right? And a lot of these things, we, we think to ourselves that, yeah, I'm, I'm kind, I'm compassionate towards my family, towards my friends, the people I get along with, but maybe not so good at this with other people. And so we have Jesus pointing this out to his disciples one day when they asked him, how do, how do we love each other? How do we love our neighbor? You might remember this parable. It's called the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's found in Luke chapter 10. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him up, and they left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road, and he passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. You see, both of those people were worried, like I just mentioned, about not breaking a rule. And so they failed to show compassion because they were too worried about that rule, right? So what happens? Verse 33, then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, and he took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. See, showing kindness and compassion, as demonstrated by Jesus in this parable, is doing it to anybody that we come into contact with, not just the ones we care about. And what's sad is in this story, the people who should have shown compassion, the people that should have cared for the person in their own kind of family structure, didn't. It was someone who was an enemy that truly demonstrated compassion. Forgiveness. You know, forgiveness really is the name of the game in Christianity. 
It's what Christianity is all about. The Apostle Paul uh, recorded this, these words um, written down by the physician Luke uh, in Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 39. It says, we are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. He being Jesus. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God has already chosen. By us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All of the prophets testify about him. This is the key part. That everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. That's why he came. That's why he's here, for forgiveness. That we may go and show that forgiveness and tell of that forgiveness to everyone we meet. In Matthew chapter 6, 14, it tells us the extent. It says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So not only is this a testimony to other people, but it's part of our forgiveness as well. Practicing forgiveness. Forgiveness is one of the most remarkable principles in the gospel. It's the reason that we have the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the, it's the reason that Jesus came to this earth to bring forgiveness. The best picture in our lives of what God has done for us is when we practice forgiveness towards another person. The loudest words that we can shout to convince the world of the truths of the gospel is to forgive another person. Well, it's time for a little audience participation. Uh, so if you've been taking a nap, wake up. And I'm going to read you a, a little phrase, and I want you to respond back to me. And this is going to happen a few times, so get used to it. So nice and loud. I'm going to say these words to you. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. And your response to me, just as in Christ, God forgave me. We're going to make it personal. Okay, just as in Christ, God forgave me. So let's practice. Here we go. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Not bad. Not bad. I like that. I'll accept that, especially first hour, early in the morning. Definitely. So let's think of these things again. Kindness. Compassion. Forgiveness. When are we expected to show these traits? When does God want us to demonstrate kindness, compassion, and forgiveness? Always. Always. Every moment of our day, no exception. I can tell you this. Over the last couple of days, my wife is sick of me saying, be kind and compassionate. I actually got told yesterday, do not say those words to me again today. <laughs> She's not here, but I'd still pick on her if she was. <laughs> Always. <laughs> She'll be sitting right over there next hour. I'll say it. I promise. <laughs> so we are always to demonstrate kindness, compassion, and forgiveness. But Brian, you don't understand. My neighbor is loud and plays music late into the night. They have people over at all hours, and every weekend their yard becomes a mountain of beer cans. What do you expect me to do? Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. Let's try that again. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. That's right. 
But Brian, my family's dysfunctional. My parents have been emotionally abusive my whole life. I've never been able to please my parents, and, and they constantly act like I'm a big disappointment, and I'm always letting them down. What do you expect of me? Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. But Brian, my coworker has said horrible things about me. They've buddied up to the boss and turned him against me. They make my work life absolutely miserable. What do you expect me to do? Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. My husband shaved off his beard, Brian, accidentally. And now he has this goatee that I don't really like. Dang it, she's not here again. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. That's right. But Brian, I don't like the color or the lack of walls on the stage. The type of carpet, the style of shirt the pastor's wearing, the song we sang today, the version of the Bible that we read from, and the list goes on. What do you expect of me? Be kind and compassionate to one another. Just are forgiving each other. There's no exceptions. There's no exceptions. I don't, it doesn't matter. Your life could be filled with abuse, addiction, loss, hurt. Maybe you came late to this party of Christianity and you have a world behind you that you've lived with that is still impacting you. The expectation is still the same. There's no exceptions listed in Ephesians 4.32. There's no grandfather clauses that get you a pass. There's no asterisks by it that say, except in the case of extreme hurt. There is no unless. There is just be. Be this way. Be identified by these traits. The Bible's clear. Jesus said to his disciples that they will know that you are his disciples by what? By our love. And how do we love? Well, the parable of the Good Samaritan was a response to that question. How do we love? Well, we love when we demonstrate our love for God. We demonstrate our willingness to obey his commands by this. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. Let's pray. Father, we desire to be kind, to be compassionate, and to forgive. But God, sometimes it's hard. It's difficult when we've been hurt and we've been trampled over and the person across from us hasn't felt that same way towards us and hasn't demonstrated those things to us. Father, you expect us to do so anyways. And you set a perfect example for us, Father, that you would forgive us. Even when you were on that cross, you cried out, Father, forgive them. None of us have been through that situation. So, Father, we pray through the power of your Spirit that you give us the strength, that you give us the desire, the willingness to be kind, to be compassionate, and to forgive one another. Because we fully appreciate the forgiveness that we've been given through Christ. In your precious son's name we pray. Amen. Well, as the worship uh, team comes forward, I've got a couple uh, challenges for you. The first is this. Memorize Colossians 3.14. 
Again, kind of reflects exactly what we've been learning each and every week. Colossians 3.14 says these words. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Okay, memorize those words. Love, kindness, compassion, forgiveness builds unity amongst the family and the family of Christ specifically. Let's practice that. Second one, your challenge this week. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you.